On today's episode of Let's Go Together, I talk with Killian Marquis, and he is a high-performance performance mentor, high-performance coach, and we go into so many things about habits. There's a, a plethora of book references that are so powerful, and at the end, he actually talks about how to really maximize how we are reading our books, but this episode is super fascinating. I mean, we go through habit tracking, thought dumping, attention residue, you know, um, you know, he has this quote, he says, breaks are for restoration, not indulgence. Um, just so many powerful, powerful things that we can incorporate into our daily lives from taking breaks. We talk about utilizing standing desk and, and how we can utilize that to better perform and the science behind it and why we do things and how we can actually do the habits that we want to do and what's preventing us and how we can make it easy. So really just so many powerful things. Uh, we get along extremely well. As you know, I love talking about this type of topic and there's just, it's just pack, pack full of content and value that you're going to be able to implement um, right after listening. So without further ado, let's dive in. But first, the intro. Welcome to Let's Grow Together. My name is Nick Monatatibus, motivational speaker and digital marketing strategist. And this podcast is all about helping you grow both in life and business. Let's dive in. I am excited. This is this is fun. Uh, this podcast brings a lot of uh, you know new people into the world, and this individual had reached out to me on LinkedIn. And we connected and I started seeing some content that he was sharing immediately was like, I got to have him on the show. So I am so excited to dive in. We were talking a little bit before we hit record about some of the topics we're going to dive in. It's just going to be awesome. So um, really, really happy to welcome Killian Market. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, give us, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's up, Nick? First of all, thanks for being on the show super excited first of all this is my favorite topic and i checked out your recent episodes and guys if you're listening to this check out the other episodes of this podcast awesome stuff there and i'm uh killian i'm german currently living in budapest hungary and i consider myself to be like as you call it a consistent performance mentor right so what i do is i, I partner up with uh, busy entrepreneurs and business owners and i really help them to optimize their health and their energy and their productivity. Usually those guys, you know, busy with scaling and I just help them uh, to not neglect themselves or their health along the way, right? And uh, yeah, man, thanks for being on the show and excited to, to give some good value here. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here. And, you know, as somebody who is, you know, all about habits and, you know, we might as well get into what we were talking about before. Uh, I noticed something about what you're doing right now that I am always doing, which is standing while we're recording. And I find that so awesome because I've been doing this for years and it's made such a dramatic um, impact. I actually got a bunch of people that were at my old job um, before I started my business to do it as well, just because again, the health benefits. So I'm curious, like when you started that, how you started that and kind of the benefits that you've seen from that. That's 100% and it's awesome and I recommend everybody to look into that as well. So I started with that, I would say around a year ago to get much more awareness about the whole issue of sitting too much. And I first realized it's not only health benefits, it's also what we talked about. It's also 
energy benefits and vitality and enthusiasm and mindset and a lot of things which are great for podcasts, but are also great for people like on sales calls maybe, right? Or on other presentations, recording video content. So super important to have that. And uh, apart from that, like recently, I just read the book Deskbound by Kelly Sterrett. And for everybody who hasn't checked that book, highly, highly recommend that. Kelly Serrett is known for his work in the kind of fitness industry and CrossFit and so on. He's based in San Francisco. And he basically in that book describes how sitting is kind of the new smoking, like very, you know, exaggerated claim, but you've heard that maybe, right? And he says like so many studies out there now that if you sit for prolonged periods, you're not moving and in compromised positions, you're actually harming yourself, you know, risk of heart disease and things like that. And so I got more into that topic and got into, you know, getting a standing desk, actually designing your whole work office, your environment and so on. And basically he describes that. So if you guys think about that, check out that book. And basically he describes how you can transition from sitting mainly to standing more. And there's tons of benefits there, but it's a, I would say it's a process you should do gradually, but then you'll feel a lot of benefits there. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll put um, a desk option that I recommend a lot in the show notes. Um, so curious, how often, like how long do you stand when throughout the day? Usually I would, I, I started off exactly as they recommended. That means you shouldn't start out uh, directly standing all day. That's not good because you're most likely if you come from a place where you've been sitting like eight hours and you suddenly start to try to stand eight hours is not going to work. So that means for you, you want to try to incorporate step-by-step -step more standing. And a good, good thing is that you say, okay, you pair that with activities. Let's say you're having two sales calls, you're having two podcasts or whatever during your day, and it might take one to two hours. Why don't you pair that time and try to stand up there? Right. So that's already a very nice anchor for you to implement that having standing associated with these activities. And then step by step, you increase that and you make sure, OK, a little bit more each day. You have some breaks in between. What I recommend you guys is you get something which is called the Marinara Pomodoro Timer. That's, for example, a tool you can just put in your Chrome extensions. It's a little tomato. You click on it and it starts a Pomodoro cycle. It's at 25 minutes. You do some nice work and then it automatically gives you uh, a notification in your browser. It uh, disrupts you out of what you're doing. It says time for break now. And that's perfect because that says, okay, you've been sitting, get up, move, right? So you can start to chunk your sitting or standing periods into those uh, 25 minute marks and take more breaks. That's how I do it. I stand usually in the morning for a few hours and I take some breaks and move a bit. I also have a yoga mat nearby, do some mobility and so on. And then sometimes when I need a break, I sit down for a little bit. But usually I implement the rule to ne never sit longer than 25 minutes. Always get up after 25 minutes. If it's just for five minutes, that's great. And then in the afternoons when I have calls or podcasts like this one, I usually stand most of the time. And that's how I usually split it up. That's awesome. Yeah, I got to look into that timer. The one thing about timers is I, I don't want to use my phone because I already struggle enough with like ha even having my phone on me when I'm working. Um, so I don't want to use that as a timer. So I love that. I definitely am going to be incorporating that into my browser. I love that because and breaks are so important 
And people often just try and work through the day and they wonder, you know, what's going on, why they're getting easily distracted. So I love that you kind of just talked about like take more breaks, you know, very specific. Have you gone into any aspect of like how often you should be taking breaks? Like I know Brendan Bouchard talks about like every 50 minutes you should take a break. I know you mentioned like, you know, 25 minutes to, to not sit longer than 25 minutes, but just curious what you've come across in that regard. Yeah, that's a great question. I love that. And uh, Brendan's uh, advice is definitely relevant. And I found it depends on the type of task you're doing, right? And especially what I recommend is to do deep work in the morning, which means highly focused, non-distracted kind of creative work. And for some people, it's very helpful to, to split it up, for example, to a 50 minute, 10 minute break block right? One hour, 50, 10, because they feel like, okay, they're in the zone and they have the writing flow and they're super creative, right? And they want to have that uh, and don't want to be interrupted. And that's understandable. For other tasks, you know, that might be things where you, you know, email processing, you know, answering to emails or this kind of more shallow work task, administrative tasks might be useful to just have 25 minute jumps. Right. So I would say uh, split it up like that. I would not, not say to uh, have it longer than 50 minutes. Uh, you should definitely take a break then. And um, this is how I would recommend you to do it. And it's great that you say that yesterday on this other podcast I was on, I talked about this too. And it's like assuming you need to wait until you bring your car to the maintenance, right? Like, Nobody does it. You don't wait until the engine breaks down. You, you know, you like regularly go there for an oil check or something like that, right? And that's the same thing with brakes. You need to not wait until you feel burned out or you have no energy anymore. You need to make them like really a regular part of your day. And then it's super helpful. And another thing I would re recommend people right now with the whole situation, it's more difficult, but light and air is super important and if you can open windows you know open that up get air circulation in if you can get some ways you have some way of getting sun through the window or you have some terrace or balcony or whatever get that super important during the breaks energizes you and then incorporating also some form of uh rollout with the foam roller some stretching on the yoga mat something like that that's the way how you really uh get the most out of your breaks that's awesome. Yeah, I love the sun reference. I I love daylight in general. Um, the old apartment that I used to be in had like these two massive windows. It was like the big cellar for me. But I wasn't even thinking about it. I just like the light. You know, I felt that it energizes me. I wasn't even thinking about it, that that should be the case for everyone. Like get some light, get some air, go outside, go for a walk during these breaks. And again, it doesn't have to be an hour. You can go outside for five minutes, 10 minutes to get that exposure, get that fresh oxygen, you know, depending on what time of the year it is that, you know, I think people will be more likely to do it at least uh, when it's, when it's nicer out. But, you know, I think it's, it's so important to, to get that warm air out. And one thing you were, you know, talking about that I want to kind of transition a little bit into, you know, how you incorporate some of these things into your routine of like when you, when you start your day, I know you've mentioned like standing and you're working, but what about like before you start working, what's kind of like your morning routine? If you could take us through that a little bit. Yeah, that's an awesome question. It directly links to what we just said, the sunlight aspect. And that's something I actually recommend people to, to do as early as you can. And that's part of my morning routine as well. So what I do actually together with my girlfriend, we both do morning yoga together. 
And we have, uh, we're fortunate to actually have a little terrace uh, in our, our Linux next door flat. And that means each morning what we do is, of course, we start the day like with hydration, super important, recommend everybody to drink a lot. If you want to get some, you know, some sea salt and some, some lemon juice in there, that's very important. And then what we do is, um, especially now in summer, we have some sun out. And so we're getting some sun. We're having some movement and some yoga outside on the terrace. And this is, this is usually my, my most or my, my most preferred um, morning ritual, right? Directly movement, hydration, getting sun in my face, a little bit of mindfulness, which is also incorporated into the yoga, of course, at the end of those poses. And then basically what I do is I usually have spend also a little bit time on uh, reading something inspirational. I was a big fan of, I'm still a big fan of the Daily Stoic. Uh, by Ryan Holiday, um, like these short inspirational uh, stories and quotes from those ancient texts about stoicism, about how to tackle um, everyday challenges and remain, you know, clear-headed, um, super nice for the start of the day. And then after that, maybe a little bit of journaling. I have my journal also right here. And um, that also primes me for the day. And then after that, always uh, part of what I do is cold shower. Each have been doing it for years now. Uh, cold showers are part of my morning and then after that I, I get ready for work do a little bit of mindset work preparing myself really getting in line a little bit with my vision uh, in line with my values kind of person I want to be have a little bit of you know a ritual there uh, I have that kind of I have like a, a dashboard as I call it which is a google sheet where I keep track of my mindset my vision my goals my milestones my habits and so on it's kind of my ritual how I start my work and then I have the direct transition into um, my first deep work block, which is basically uh, uninterrupted work. And I no, don't use the phone for anything in between. I have it like on airplane mode or, you know, things blocked out. And that's, that's usually the, the way I transition from waking up into my uh, first work block. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very similar to me. Like almost, you know, there's, there's some very small variations. So I'm curious to dive in. Um, a little deeper, like I, the first thing I want to point out too, not having your phone on you to me is like such a huge one. Um, you know, I used to actually like post on my stories of like my morning routine and some people may be like, how come you don't see that anymore? It's like, cause I don't have my phone on me, so I don't do it because I don't want to have my phone on me during my morning routine. So, you know, so important again, airplane mode, that's one way to really get around that too. I would even recommend too, just like not even having it near you you know, so we can't tempt ourselves because sometimes we're like, oh, I got to check something. Oh, no, you know. Um, but then one thing I wanted to elaborate on, well, there were a few things that I, that I wanted some more clarification on or more detail into. So you mentioned journaling. What, uh, how, what's your process for journaling? You know, what kind of things do you write? How do you, how do you focus on for your day for journaling? Mm. Yeah, basically, people can do that in different approaches. And uh, there's the approach that you just do freestyling and it's kind of this uh, approach of like morning pages. You wake up and you write down whatever comes to mind. Sometimes it's, you have these inspirations, you dreamt about something or, you know, your mind was processing something and you just want to write that down. Uh, that's what I do sometimes. I just, I had this idea, this inspiration and I write this down. The other thing I always do each morning is gratitude, which is uh, writing down what I'm grateful for, you know, wiring my brain for seeing the positive and the good in life. That's super important as well. And, um, and then after that, I actually use it for thought dumping, 
whenever I have this, you know, where I feel like, oh, what is this unhelpful thought or, or my mind is somewhere else, right? It's like this, what I, what is called attention residue, especially if you transition from one task to another, your mind is still kind of uh, entangled into this other task and it keeps you from fully focusing on the new task. And then I use this to, to write down things. And yesterday, actually, um, my, my the other podcast host said he uses that to basically differentiate between facts and stories. And I love that one. I basically did that kind of in a sense as well, but he phrased it in a nice way. And it's you basically start to tell yourself stories about certain things, about events, about whatever happens to you in life, right? And once he realizes that this thought is coming up in his mind again and again, he's writing it down and he sees like, oh, this is a repeating thing. And then he makes like a little bottom line, like a little, you know, like uh, strikes it through maybe. And then he writes, okay, now facts. What are the facts here, right? He shows to himself, okay, this is just a story, but these are the real facts. What is true about my life, what people are in, in my life and so on. And this is another cool way to use journaling and for starters, for people, they should just find something they, they enjoy that's important so they don't see journaling as a burden but as a helpful tool and then stick to it uh, consistently. That's awesome. Yeah, I love uh, what you mentioned about you know writing down the facts versus the stories. That could not be more important. That is so, so, so important because you know, you're pulling out the limiting beliefs that we often have, the stories that we're telling ourselves on why we can't do something or why something's not working in our business. And it's like, is this a fact or is this a story that you're telling yourself to give you, you know, some excuse, uh, uh, you know, again, of what, what not to do to, to keep you comfortable or to keep you from, from adjusting. And, and it happens to all of us. And, and, and a lot of times it's hard for us to see it in ourselves, you know? And so having some type of journaling tends to bring out these types of things that we wouldn't normally just see. And also, you know, talking with other people is a big way to kind of bring out the limiting beliefs. Like, is that really true? When someone can really call you on, on the facts. So absolutely love that. Um, that is, that is just like so cool. And then attention residue and thought dumping. I mean, that's just so awesome. Uh, thought dumping to me just, yeah, that sounds like something, I need to incorporate into how we can just kind of, we, we have so many things going on in our brain. I forget exactly what, how many thoughts of a day we have. It's like 50,000 or something, some insane amount of number of how many thoughts we have in a day. And if we can just take some time to like put things down, put things on paper, we're going to get so much greater results in, in kind of just progressing through all of those thoughts and pulling out the, the most important things. So, yeah. And, and man, one thing I wanted to add on that is really important. It's a topic that um, there's this saying, which I read, I don't know where I read it, but it's like um, breaks are for restoration, not for indulgence. And what I mean by that is that, you know, it's very common these days. And sometimes I catch myself that when you want to take a break, you feel like you're addicted again to input. You feel like you need to either do something or, you know, like check something, like check the phone or what's up. But this is exactly why we're having this attention residue because the brain is always on input mode. There's always stuff coming in, right? And having this kind of time where you say, okay, no, no new input, just writing down, actually emptying my, my brain or, you know, like my, my mind right now with everything that's preoccupied on that's what's useful and i actually had this inspiration also from ryan holiday's 
newest book, uh, newest book, Stillness is the Key. Um, it's one of his newest books. And he talks about this as well. He gives great examples how we're living in times which is full of noise, full of, you know, input, 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 which is a good thing, right? You have like audiobooks, you have books, you have great posts, podcasts, blogs, and so on. But the thing is, it becomes a problem if you cannot stop, right? If you, if you need to consume content all the time. And that's why this is this, yeah, when you take a break, take it fully, focus on your breath, calm down, write down your thoughts, these kind of things. And, and that's usually the way uh, which helps the most. Yeah. Awesome tip. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I want to pull out something too that you mentioned that is so important is, you know, we do live in this world of, of constant in, you know, and if you're in the entrepreneurial world and you're a little obsessed, which I can tell you are, and I am too, of, of, you know, all of this exposure and books and, you know, these podcasts that are making us think outside the box, but there's a level of learning and doing and taking that action. And a lot of times people are just like, absorb, absorb, absorb. I need to learn more. I need to learn more. I learn to learn more, but then they're not actually taking action. Have you experienced this, you know, yourself or with clients and seeing, you know, how important it is that we're not just always absorbing that we're, we're taking time to, to create and take action? hundred percent. I totally resonate with you there, Nick. The thing is, it, it, I sometimes call it like people are theory junkies, right? It's like kind of you want to have that, oh, more, more, I need more information. And, it, and it's basically what used to be a good thing is can be too much. And it, it goes back that to the fact that we have information available to us 24-7. At, like at our fingertips, you can order any book, download anything, find information, YouTube, whatever. It's so easy, so accessible. You could even, you know, let's be real here. You could even torrent courses, right, from pro-level people and don't even pay anything for it, right? And this is the problem that information is very widely available and it's also not valued as much as it used to be. Back in the day, you had to walk to the library, get your boots and, you know, maybe can get one book that you have to bring back, you know, soon again and things like that. And now you just have it. And for some people, it's too much. And it, it, I always compare it for some people. It's the new Netflix, right? Just binge watching like some, some master classes and things like that and, and videos and so on. And it is, of course, not a bad thing. But if you get stuck at that information age, it is actually very, very, um, it can be an illusion for you because you have this illusion that you did something, that you, oh, I worked on myself, you know, I improved myself. But what you did is you actually just got some knowledge. But knowledge is nothing if you don't really apply it, if you don't take action. And that's why buying a book and having it laying around is not going to do anything for you. Even reading it, only does something partially for you if you don't act on it, right? And that's why what I recommend for people is also, it goes back to identifying what is your learning style? How do you uh, retain information the best? For example, there's people out there who love audiobooks because they love to hear stories, they love to listen to things and this auditory way, you know, that way they, they retain things very well. Other people are more visual learners and they just need to see the things maybe on a video or maybe on a book and then have them right in front of them. 
And for example, for me personally, I split up, for example, my audiobooks and my physical books according to the content, meaning very dense content that requires more contemplation and you know thinking about it. I usually read as a physical book and I really uh, wrestle with the book, I highlight it and so on. And a book that is more story style, like a great example is a biography. A biography I usually listen to because I have this story in my head and the narrators, maybe even the, the person himself, and they talk about this, right? So long story short, what I mean by that is if you want to get into more action, you got to ask yourself first how you can retain information better. So it's not just entertainment, but it's actually sticking with you. And then the question is, um, what do you want to focus on right now? That goes back, of course, to knowing what your goals are, what your vision is for your life, and then asking yourself what makes the most sense. Because you have so many things you could be doing, but of course, you know, there's only a number of things you can do at the same time. So that, that's my approach. And in the end, people who manage to keep the focus high and focus on one thing at a time, these are the people who, in my, my experience, made the most progress. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so, oh man, so important. And just, you know, being willing to, you know, take a moment and take action on, on what you're learning. But the one thing you mentioned that I think is so important is knowing yourself, you know, what type of learner are you? You know, there is, there's, there's auditory, there's visual, you know, and, and figuring out incorporating, if you want to write things down as you're learning them can have such a dramatic impact. So if you're like going for a run and you're listening to something, it's going to be a little difficult to write things down with certain you know, certain books. I know I have that problem sometimes and I'll be like running and I have an idea and I'm like running and I send a reminder on my watch as like, really, it's just like a note. So I remember it to, to think about it later. Um, and maybe that's not the best method, but you know, again, you know, I'm absorbing a ton of the, the content and, you know, I think that that is just like so important. And one thing that, that kind of came up for me too, you know, when you were talking about the, you know, learning junkies and how they're incorporating different things. Like you said, you know, YouTube blog, um, all of these things that are free, you know, podcasts, and then even potentially, you know, like ripping online, um, you know, courses. And, you know, for me, at least, you know, from what I found is that I am very, a big believer in the investment because mm -hmm. when I'm willing to put a substantial amount of money down, then I know that I'm going to take action on the things, you know, um, one of my, my mentors, James Wesmore, I talk about him all the time on this show. Um, I don't know if you, if you know him well, but, um, you know, he always says the transformation is in the transaction mm -hmm. and I find that so important. So I was curious to kind of hear your advice on that in just like investing and, and how you've invested in yourself and in programs and how that's benefited you. Yeah, hundred percent. So me personally, as a as a mentor and coach myself, of course, I'm I'm highly in favor of this, right? But I see it, I see it actually each time that once people make that transaction, what actually happens? A shift in mindset happens. A true commitment starts to happen. I mean, the commitment on the financial side is of course one part of the equation, but you need more than that. You need a deeper commitment. You need a commitment that the person will now make some change in their life. And that's usually, of course, uh, accelerated by a financial commitment, right? But it's also more than that. It's a time commitment. It's also an emotional commitment to doing things differently right now. 
and so on. So I'm highly in favor of that. I've invested personally, of course, in tons of, of just masterminds, but also mentors, coaches who have worked with me, both on a personal, but also on a business sense. And these things have really, really led to great results. Because as you say, once you make that, that commitment, you, it's like this idea of like burning the bridges a little bit, you know, like you got to say, wow, this is like a huge thing I'm doing right here. So like there's, there's no going back. I got to, got to make use of this, get my ROI on what I do here. And I've also found um, this the same in the, on a smaller, a smaller scale. If you actually get that physical book and you buy that and you put that book somewhere kind of in your environment, there's something to it. There's, of course, audiobooks and so on work too. But for me, this example of the physical book is always, always resonating because some people say it has a vibration, you know, it's a being and so on. But you don't have to go that far. You can just say there is something in your environment which you can feel, which you can see, and it also grabs your attention. You spend money on it. You put that thing where you can see it which is, for example, on your kitchen table when you want to read something in the morning. And that sparks your attention. The problem why people don't uh, implement things or don't finish things is also because other alternatives are only another click away. That means, you know, YouTube, oh, the next video is just a click away. I'm just halfway through that. Oh, next recommend video. Oh, let's just jump there. Or another episode or, you know, another course or whatever. And that's why having that focus, you, you invest it into something, which is not free, but you spend a little bit of money, say, okay, I'm going to finish that now. And then making sure that you, know, you, you design your environment is such an important concept, not only for habits, but actually to sticking things. And then I found, then it's the, the time where you get the best um, results from, from learning. Absolutely. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more. Um, one thing I wanted to comment on first that I think is so important is, um, you know, the books is like, again, when you invest in it is, is um, one person that I was following recommended, you don't buy another book until you finish the one you have. Um, and I think that's a great advice. I actually have like a huge shopping cart right now on Amazon full of books. And I'm like, don't do it. Like only buy one of them. You don't need to buy all nine that, that have been like recommended. And, um, so it's like an interesting concept, um, on that standpoint, but I wanted to dive into the environment because I could not agree more. I think it's the most powerful tool in understanding that our memory, we can't rely on our memory and our willpower to mm. get the actions we need to get done. And, you know, you brought up having the book somewhere, you know, and the same thing goes with like journaling. I know some people talk about having journaling in a phone. I don't recommend that because you always have your phone on you and then you're not going to have that reminder of this physical thing that can sit on your bedside or your coffee table that you're going to be seeing on a regular basis. And, you know, this works with so many things with like running, like putting your running gear and your workout stuff outside. You know, you, you've mentioned a lot about, you know, yoga and foam rolling. Well, don't put it in the closet, you know, put it somewhere where you're going to see it each day. And, you know, this is just like such an important aspect. And I think what's really interesting too, and I'd love to hear more, you know, of your advice on this and feedback on this is that it also works for bad habits. You know, mm -hmm. if you have like, pretzels on the counter for example i have a big weakness with you know hard pretzels i just like love them so much so i don't buy them and i if i do buy them they are hidden 
They cannot be out or I, I will eat them. So it's just like, know yourself again, coming back to that. Um, but I'd love to hear more about kind of your experience with, with again, how important your environment is and putting things in place that will help you to perform those habits. Oh man, I love, love the example about the pretzels. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so by the way, yeah, it's, it, it's, I couldn't agree more. Look, the thing is, there's two great books about these topics and you probably read them. Uh, I know you, you probably did. So number one is, of course, uh, James Clear's Atomic Habits, right? Which is kind of the Bible about that. And, and the other one is also a very good one, actually. Not, not so well known. It's, it's Willpower Doesn't Work by, by Benjamin Hardy. And he goes also into that why many people think they just need to make themselves do something or they, they, they need to resist certain urges and so on and drain themselves by doing that. And instead, it's about being more intelligent and designing your environment, right? Knowing there will be distractions now more than ever with this whole, you know, social media society we live in where like notifications and bling bling and so on is everywhere. So you need to be more careful about this. And I found that, and when you said bad habits, yes, 100% right. I mean, the, the smartphone is designed to be a bad habit. It's designed by psychologists, uh, or, you know, like people who know how humans behave to hijack your attention. The fact that you ask yourself, open your phone, and most people, they have these annoying red dots there. When I see that, I'm like, guys, you got to get rid of these red dots. These are just engineered to hijack your attention all the time. They're color red. Why are they red? Because humans, we associate blood with that. That always sparks like attention. Ooh, what is that? I need to get rid of that, right? And that's why there's an encounter and then it gets more and more and you're always curious. It keeps you trapped there. So that's why I recommend it only, it doesn't start only with, designing your office or your bedroom or your kitchen environmental design starts with your technology first with your laptop with your uh, smartphone with any other thing you're using that might be triggering you and that starts with like removing those notifications removing those little signals and so on and then you notice that yeah bad habits are, the, are treated the same way as you want to improve good habits you got to increase friction for bad habits and you got to decrease friction for good habits. So that's what I found. And you're hundred percent right. I use my yoga mat and I have it actually here in my office. I actually have it right next to me. So I don't forget to do this, you know, those breaks, use my foam rotor, have it next door as well. And then also, for example, in the evenings, what's super helpful is to have like a, either a big yoga mat again or a carpet that you have nearby. And then also very important is um, to use such a thing, for example, to do some evening stretching and mobility work. This is hugely powerful, especially after a stressful day, another cool tool. And for people that wanna stick to new behaviors, just ask yourself, how can you make this new thing as easy, as um, attractive, as rewarding, and as uh, obvious as you can? Right, and once you have these, like James Clear calls it, the four laws of behavior change. Uh, if you implement these things, should be much easier for you to implement good habits and break bad ones. Absolutely, yeah, I love that you brought up Atomic Habits. You know, I talk about that book 
often it's like, yeah, listeners, if you haven't read that one yet, for as much as I talk about that, like, let's go. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, willpower doesn't, yeah, uh, doesn't work. Love that. I have not actually read that book, but that is definitely going to be added to the top of my list. And it, you know, it's something I talk about all the time. Again, we have to make things easy. You know, we can't rely on willpower to achieve our goals. And I think that's one of the biggest things that, that people struggle with. And I want to shift a little bit into kind of like what you were, you were kind of getting into it a little bit more on your, uh, more so like nightly routine. So I'd love Mm -hmm. to learn a little bit more about how, how you kind of, uh, end the day, you know, we talked about beginning. So can you walk us through a little bit about how, how that goes? Yeah, that's a great question. And especially in the, you know, self-development entrepreneur uh, scene and so on, people are quite aware about morning routines, but nightly routines are kind of a little bit, you know, uh, neglected, Uh, but they are as important, if not even more important than the morning routine, simply because your day starts with the, the preparation the night before and also with getting good sleep. And that depends a lot on your nightly routine. So what I do for that is I want to make sure first thing is, that I don't eat too late. This is something I have been doing actually for many years myself and I have not really noticed uh, or like I've not been so aware about that. But then once I changed that, I found it very, very impactful. And now that I use uh, things like I have your aura ring, I also have a whoop strap and things like that, which track, track your sleep. And you see actually that late night dinners can actually keep your heart rate elevated and therefore it's a sign that you're still digesting and that makes your sleep less deep. And that's a, that's a big problem, right? So I want to make sure at least three hours before I uh, go to sleep, I don't have any food. And then of course, uh, I personally actually uh, don't use any blue light blockers. I know a lot of people do, but what I do myself is I just use common light, common sense light habits. So that means I, of course, have all these tools, uh, F.Lux and, you know, like the night shift mode that reduces blue light on screens. But what I do instead is I just don't use my screens anymore because the big pitfall with blue light blocker is that people, yeah, I have the blue light blocker. I can use my screen and keep working. But that's not what you want to do in the evening. You want to make sure you're actually winding down, reducing stress, right? That's a little trap. And I, I, what I do then instead is uh, I, I spend some time with my girlfriend, you know, quality time there. That's always important. And what we then do actually together each evening, we, we have our, you know, our mobility and stretching ritual. And this is something where we have like a huge carpet and we have a few mobility tools also by, um, you know, Kelly Sterrett. He recommends this also in his book, Desk Bound. And in that, uh, he explains that, it should be a ritual people have, which is similar to brushing the teeth. He calls it mobility hygiene. And it is like we're treating our bodies sometimes very harshly during the day, like being in a chair all day and like the weirdest positions being slouched forward. And we don't really do anything, right? We, we mistreating our body in some sense. And, and rarely actually we do something to, to make it better. And that's where this kind of mobility hygiene comes into play, where I spend like just 10 to 15 minutes basically mobilizing, which means you take things like a lacrosse ball or a foam roller and you're rolling out and self-massaging that tight tissue. Very common things are your, your shoulders, which are rounded forward, you know, like tight pecs here. And also your hip flexors, your legs, your quads um, are very tight. 
and rolling them out also combining that with some deep breathing some which is coming from yoga as well some deep stretching where you breathe in for four seconds and then you breathe out for eight seconds you know with this really this is really powerful it it does a number of things it helps you ease into the stretch and loosen up uh, the tight tissue because you're letting go of that reflex to kind of you know keep yourself tight and the other thing is it actually activates the parasympathetic nervous system which is the the relaxed system because you're telling your body i don't need to run away it's fine i can actually exhale in a very nice and slow way and that sends signals to your body like yeah it's fine don't worry we're winding down right now no predators no cyber saber tooth tiger tigers you know running around and the the other thing i i do then is uh, sometimes another cool hack is gut smashing which is basically you're getting uh, like a volleyball or a soccer ball something like that you put that on the floor you lay on it with your belly and you roll around in circles on it and you massage your trunk tissue and also using that deep breathing. That might stimulate the vagus nerve, help you with relaxation and so on. And then after that, sometimes we, we listen to a, a podcast or something inspiring while we do that, again, to make it a bit more attractive and a bit more exciting. But then winding down, um, keep keeping the lights uh, low. Sometimes I do like a, a warm shower um, to make sure my body temperature drops after it, which helps also with sleep, making sure that the temperature is cool and then just getting ready for sleep. Yeah, so many good nuggets there. Um, that's awesome. The one thing that I thought was really interesting when you were talking about the, the deep breathing um, as you're winding down, it's actually something that um, since I moved, so I was in my apartment and then I moved back home. I'm with my parents right now temporarily as I plan to move to San Diego and I haven't been doing my nightly stretching and you know, so I need to get back into to doing that, but I did the breathing, but I didn't realize it had all of these, you know, other effects like the neuroscience and stuff that you were talking about. Super fascinating. I find that so cool. Um, so now I'm like, Oh man, what are you doing? You gotta, you gotta get back into doing that. You know, it's so important. And again, you're going to sleep better. You know, people often don't think, and I, I love how you talked about, you know, the, the nightly routine almost getting neglected, you know, and how important it can be to, you know, bring it in. And then, um, you know, one thing you mentioned was like, um, you mentioned your, the podcast of, of how you're kind of combining things and, and making it attractive. And so I was hoping we could elaborate more on that because that is a very specific terminology, you know, from James Clear too, you know, he's very specific in that. So I love to dive into that a little bit more on like how we can make our, our good habits more attractive. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a great, a great topic. And uh, James calls that uh, temptation bundling. And by that, he means if there's something where you have a little bit resistance to, and you're like, mm, not sure, you know, I know it's good for me, but maybe it's not so nice. You want to pair it with something that is uh, enjoyable for you and that you will look forward to. And that way, uh, combining that, your brain associates these things and then it will actually start to at least not hate it anymore and look a little bit forward to it. And it's basically, you can do that before, after, or during that. And there's a few examples. For example, you want to start getting to a, like a, like a push-up habit, right? And you know, just want to get a little bit into better shape. 
And then you could say, okay, before I take my hot shower, I take five push-ups, like very easy. And that means, okay, you associate, okay, I'm looking forward to the shower. Let's just do the five push-ups. And it's also a little reward. And the other thing is, as I said, um, with the, the stretching, listening to something, because then you're like a little bit more focused on, you know, on the interesting thing you're listening to. You're not so focused on the pain from the, from the stretching. And there's a few other things you can do as well. And um, once you make things attractive, it's also something where you want to ask yourself, okay, is it actually something which is in line with my, um, my motivation? So what do I mean by that? You can always distinguish between macro motivation and micro motivation, right? Macro motivation is this kind of, okay, do I have a why? Do I have a deeper uh, long-term vision for my life? And the micro motivation is more like, okay, this is kind of similar to how do I feel in the moment, right? Do I feel right now I want to do that? Do I feel a little bit low right now? It's very correlated to the energy levels. That, that depends on the day, you know, that switches up, but you want to make sure you have the macro motivation. And how does that come into play now with implementing these new habits? Well, you want to ask yourself the things you want to do. Do you actually understand why you should be doing them? And do you, are you motivated to do them? And by motivation, I mean more of the macro motivation, right? And the micro motivation, of course, comes from all these things like temptation bundling, giving yourself a reward, making it attractive, you know, making it easier, you know, like these little, little tricks, if you want to call it, right? But the macro motivation has to be there. If someone tells you, oh, yeah, you should meditate, but you don't really understand why and you don't realize what it can do for you and you, you've not really done the research on it and maybe you should have talked to someone who's done it and really get convinced about that person. Or maybe you need to see how that lack of focus and that rushing is destroying your life because you're just led by impulses and you, know, you really have this little dissatisfaction with how things are going. You really need to think like oh i need to change things right now i need to i want to live like more free and in the moment and once you have that macro motivation that something needs to change because this is the kind of life i want to live right it goes the same with like exercising people tell you you should be exercising but if you don't understand why it is so important and you connect it to your future self what happens if you don't do it that's when it gets powerful. Same thing with not doing anything for your body, not stretching, staying in a bad posture all the time. Extrapolate 10, 20 years from now, how will things look like? And that you can do in a best case scenario if you don't do anything, and in the worst case, sorry, if you don't do anything, but then also the best case scenario if you uh, do change something. And that's the macro motivation which you need to have. And that's the, the deeper layer a deeper way of, of making sure that things are more attractive to you. Absolutely. Oh yeah. That's so awesome. And I, I think a lot of times people get locked up in the short term and how important it is to think about the long term. And one thing I kind of wanted to touch on is, you know, we talked about reward, you know, talk about doing the five push-ups and then jumping in a hot shower. And one thing that I found extremely interesting um, was uh, the book Gretchen Rubin better than before. Um, and she talks about reward. Now, one of the quotes you said, which I think was awesome, it's, you know, breaks are for restoration, not indulgence. 
And what I find to be very interesting about rewards, and one thing that Gretchen Rubin talked about too, is that there's certain habits that we have where rewards, depending on what they are, can actually be not good. You know, like for example, if like we want to go for a run and then we get back from the run and we want to reward ourselves with, you know, a beer and a cheeseburger, then that's not a good reward because it's not beneficial. And that the running itself is the reward in how we feel after the run and the health benefits that we get after the run. So I'd love to kind of hear your feedback on your perception of rewards and how, how we can incorporate them or, you know, how to best incorporate them. Yeah. I love that topic. And that's a great example you gave. And from my experience, what happens is people think they need these kind of um, cheap meals or, you know, these unhealthy rewards um, that you usually would give yourself, but it's only because of lack of experience. Once you, once you um, reach a level where you start to uh, be consistent with this new behavior, you will realize that this thing in itself is a great reward, right? The, the running, the energy, everybody who goes to the gym and had this day where they didn't feel well, but they went to the gym and then after that, they're like, wow, it was actually great. I feel good now, right? This is like the exact thing what we're talking about here. So people should just with those techniques we outlined, make sure, so macro-motivation, micro-motivation, and so on, make sure, and life accountability is another one, make sure they actually stick to that for some time and see what kind of feelings and the results also in the short term they can already get from that. And then after that, they should align uh, the rewards uh, with that. And then when it comes to rewards, you know, it, it's really about choosing things which um, don't destroy the thing you, you plan to do with that, right? So if, you, if you're trying to be more healthy, well, don't destroy it by doing something that makes you more unhealthy by, you know, ingesting calories uh, that, you know, more than you just burned, right? So that's the same thing. And it's actually, people think, but yeah, where's the joy then? Where's the joy? And it's also, it's also a lack, a little bit of experience because you can also treat yourself with nice food which is not necessarily full of sugar and processed ingredients and things like that. It just takes a little bit of research and maybe preparation, but it can all be done. There's so many great recipes out there for really nice kind of self-made, even, uh, even some small cookies, you know, which have, are full of proteins, are plant-based maybe, you know, don't have any sugars added and you can have a few of them, you know, there's no problem about this. It's like, Asking yourself, okay, how can I make it still nice for myself, but I don't indulge into these like, you know, harmful, potentially harmful for my health or sabotaging the results I'm trying to achieve. And you can find solutions there. For other people, they want to reduce the coffee because they feel like, yeah, they're addicted to it. Well, there's other options. There's great teas out there, you know, which have less caffeine or less addictive, have nice tastes. You can add in some cool things like some cinnamon or some some lemon and there's a lot of other options out there which still make it attractive make it nice but you don't sabotage yourself and finding that that is crucial love it yeah so awesome so that was a great insight into 
rewards and how we can incorporate that. Um, and this has been so awesome. Um, absolutely. I've been loving this conversation. Um, so many amazing things here to, to really take in and be able to implement it. And as we kind of wind down, I want to, uh, this is like one of my favorite questions and I know we've talked a lot, you've referenced a ton of books, which I think is so awesome, but I'm wondering, is there one book particularly that you recommend like more than any other book? Mm, that's a good question. And I, I want to, you know, if you allow me to say that, I want to say it depends on what stage you're in in life, right? So it, it depends a little bit. But if I had to give you a number of them, if I had to give you three books, it would probably be Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Waltz. And then it would probably be also, you know, Atomic Habits, but we know that and the third one, more for a mindset perspective, would be probably the books by Eckhart Tolle, like The Power of Now and the New Earth. And, you know, it's, it's, many people know these books, but these are books which are to be reread. It's, it's not, not books which, you know, you read once and you understand. They need to be digested. You need to wrestle with those books. You need to sit down, have your markers, you know, and like really ponder what it says and apply that to your situation. And you read it one year from now and then you think totally differently again. These are so deep things, psycho-cybernetics, more about mindset and how you see yourself in the world. The power of now is a more uh, mindfulness or presence space, but also mindset, how you approach the world and being more in the present moment, being less rushed, being less uh, in the past, dwelling on it, being less worried about the future, realizing now is all there ever is. And yeah, also realizing with the atomic habits, how important it is to take care of, of how you live into each day, right? And basically how that um, makes up your whole life. So these three are the ones I, I would say, yeah, reread them. And the biggest takeaway for books, I would probably say is guys, number one, don't be afraid to quit books. This is something I struggled with in the past a lot. It's like, oh, I need to finish the book. Otherwise, it doesn't count. Otherwise, I cannot say I have read the book. Who cares? Well, you know, like, who cares? You don't get any price for that. So the thing is, you want to start to think in terms of opportunity cost. Every minute you squander on a book you don't really enjoy and doesn't bring you anything, you could have spent on a really good book who enriches your life right this is number one and then instead of trying to always find a new thing in a new book another book another book most of the things that are relevant to you have been set and they are only repurposed in new books so using the books you know which are epic and just rereading them regularly wrestling with them reviewing your notes and so on making that a recurring part of your year and so on this is the biggest uh, advice I can give you in terms of books. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I could not agree more. I've actually listened to Atomic Habits like at least four times. Um, I do need to read it though. I actually haven't, I don't own the physical copy. Um, but yeah, that's so powerful. And again, like the repetition is so important. So thank you so much for sharing that extra, you know, tidbit and it, you know, ties into what we talked about before too and like taking action but i love you know that repetition aspect of really taking in you know there's certain books that you love and there's a reason for it like go back in get it even more you know really and be willing to quit books too i know that's a huge thing like i i did that too i forget 
um, uh, the lean startup. I was listening to that. It just like, wasn't doing it for me. Um, and I just I still have it not done. And I'm, I'm totally okay with that moving on. There's all these other books that I want to, you know, go to and listen to, but I struggled with quitting that book. I, sh I honestly should have quit it earlier. Um, cause it just like, wasn't resonating with me. I didn't like, um, the author, the way that he was reading the book too. So so powerful. Um, and so then the last thing is, you know, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you, follow you, reach out to you? Yeah, definitely. Check out my Facebook profile and my LinkedIn profile, killianmarker.com. And if you want to learn more about how to work with me directly, just my website, killianmarker.com as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Killian. This was so cool. It's, uh, it was so great to have you on the show. I'm so glad we were able to connect and, and really dive in. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, man. Awesome. And thank you listeners. Always. I appreciate you guys being here. I know there was like, there's so much here. And if there's anything from this lesson that you can take is like, take from the lesson and do it. Take action on what you're hearing. Take action on what you're listening. Don't listen to another episode until you incorporate the things that we're doing here. And just remember, let's keep growing together.